The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Super, super choppy. You're a little bit choppy. Yeah. Good rebound. All right. Welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake and I are both keeping an eye on the uh, Badgers and St. Mary's, which I'm a little surprised that St. Mary's beat Oregon, if I'm being honest. I turned this yeah. game on. I didn't know who won the last night. I wasn't paying attention. And I turned it on. I'm like, oh, Badgers and St. Mary's? Okay. Um, but we're going to start with Bucks basketball. Then we're going to go to the Packers. Then we're going to switch to the Badgers to end the show, football and basketball. And during the show, we'll give live updates on the Badgers, who are down 20-17 to 17 right now. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. But we're going to start with Bucks, and we'll start with the Lakers game. So I will kick it to Jake, and uh, he can get it going. Ah, Lakers game, man. So for anybody who debates basketball on almost a daily basis like myself, um, you know that there is a matchup in this game that is always a heated debate, and that is Giannis versus Anthony Davis. And, you know, you look at the stat line, you can pretty much tell who won that matchup. Giannis had 47 points, nine rebounds, three assists, a block, and a steal. And Davis ended with 18 points, nine rebounds, had a couple blocks himself. They both blocked each other, actually, which is, you know, pretty even. They're both two-way players. But Giannis really went at the chest of Anthony Davis and basically took his heart and his soul out in one game. And Stephen A. Smith was killing Davis all week, uh, talking about how he's not a dog. He's a he's a very talented, very skilled player. He's got a nice jumper. He's just a good player, two-way player. But Giannis has got that extra oomph that you want in your superstar, and he really, really went at Anthony Davis and gave him the business. One thing that I thought was weird in this game was – that was weird and also very, very big for us in this game is George Hill's impact on the game. He ended with a plus minus of plus 23. He had zero points. But something that he did was nine rebounds. He grabbed nine rebounds as a 6'3 guard. That tied for the most on the team with Giannis. So that was very, very big. He's a role player that understood his role in that game, and he played it very well. James, what's up? Thanks for watching. Got James in here watching us talk about basketball, even though he's a Saints fan, so appreciate him supporting us. Um, so we we noticed some different things in this game, and I like that. That's part of what makes our, our dynamic work out well, is that you were looking at George Hill's impact, and something that stood out to me in this game was George uh, – not George. I have – I see G and I said George. Uh, Giannis and Pat Connaughton – running the pick and roll together yeah, and not the way you think 
Giannis was the ball handler with Pat Connaughton setting the screen for him. They did this a whole bunch of times. Uh, and uh, Pat Connaughton most of the time would pick and then pop, and he got a couple wide-open threes out of it, and he's knocking them down. Pat Connaughton is just raining threes so far this season. Um, and we're we're going to talk about that more. But um, running different guys in that pick and roll – with Giannis and even using Giannis as the ball handler in that situation creates some really weird mismatches for teams. And, you know, it, it puts teams in weird positions. Like who do you guard Giannis with? And then you're leaving a, a 40% three point shooter. So um, James is talking about the Celtics game. That's the game that we had no starters playing. So that one, I'll take a mulligan on that one. Just like the heat game at the beginning of the year, when we were playing without three of our starters and, Miami was acting like it was a playoff game. Like, just just, just take that one. Yeah, you know, James is talking about the Celtics game, and he said happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, James. But the next holiday, you're not going to like talking about the Celtics and Bucks because I have a feeling that one's going to end a little differently. <laughs> we'll see. Brooke Lopez should finally be back by then. Yeah. Um, Budenholz has been talking about him. It's soon. They're working him back in. He's getting into some, into some work. So Brooke Lopez should be back soon. Um, I don't think they're going to rush him back now. The Bucks are four and all since Middleton's been back. They're six and zero in games that the big three have played all together. Um, so they're not going to rush Brooke Lopez back. Um, Giannis was actually just named Eastern Conference Player of the Week on Monday, right before the game yesterday. So he, um, yeah. the last three games he averaged 33, 16, 5, 2.7 blocks and 1.7 steals. So. Giannis is holding it down just fine. Um, yeah, I know. That's a that's an MVP, DPOY combination right there. That's, and, that's a stat line. <laughs> and looking at, the, <laughs> looking at the stats from some of these games and watching the impact, especially with a guy like Bobby Portis, who is just everywhere in that oh. Lakers game, um, he looked like he was starting to hit his midseason form. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you talk about good teams wanting to be in midseason form at the beginning of the year. That's something that separates good teams from bad teams. Um, is, you know, being ready right away. And the Bucks, they played game one, everybody healthy. They looked ready. They beat the Nets, and that was a good game. Um, nope. But Bobby Portis in this game, he had a possession where he stole an inbounds pass after scoring, stole an inbounds pass, um, got two offensive rebounds in the same possession, and then scored. So Bobby Portis is just flying all over the place. What's up, Coach? I got Coach watching. Um, that's my, my college basketball coach, Jake, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't know, that's Scott Farr. That's my college basketball coach. Um, but I mean, this game, Chris Middleton hit back-to-back threes. He tied Ray Allen's record. We'll talk about that in the next game. Um, and then they pulled away late with Giannis working in the post. So I was talking about Giannis playing the pick and roll game with Pat Connaughton. And then late in the game, he was setting screens and getting switches, and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker, who's like a really good player for the Lakers, um, he's just too small to handle Giannis. So they got those mismatches. Giannis is working in the post, and that's how they were able to pull away from the Lakers late in this game. Um, Pat Connaughton hit like a really late shot clock three. Like the ball was kind of just fumbling around on the ground. He picked it up, shot it, cashed it um, just to take the lead back. So, I mean, Pat Connaughton just raining threes. Bobby Portis, um, I'm going to talk about him more in the other games. Giannis talked a lot about being aggressive after this game. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to keep some eyes on that. And he hit two catch and shoot threes in this game. So that happened. Um, there was one, one play 
Giannis broke it down in the, the post game where I think it was Middleton drove and he drove baseline and he kicked it across to Grayson Allen who pump faked, kicked it to Drew, pump faked, kicked it to Bobby, pump faked, kicked it to Giannis. So the ball touched all five players' hands and Giannis said he didn't, like, didn't even matter if I shot that. He said it's a momentum play. I have to shoot that whether I make it or not doesn't matter. And oh. he obviously made it. So that's a, that's a huge momentum play where all five players touch the ball. The ball moves around beautifully, and Giannis hits the three to pay it off. So that was a, a great play to see, and that's a, a good ball movement play. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say about the Bucks and Lakers? Um, no, man. You touched on a lot of good points, and we are going to talk a lot more about Bobby. And Yes, we are. Been awesome. All right, so let's talk about the Bucks and Thunder. Um, so I'm going to keep a Giannis first quarter points tally here. So the Thunder game, Giannis talked about wanting to be aggressive early. He said he plays his best when he's aggressive. So this game, Giannis scored seven of his 21 in the first quarter. Um, finished with 21, 19 rebounds, and seven assists. Um, and then he added four blocks and two steals. Um Coach, I said Lopez, they said soon. So they're just going to keep using the word soon because the longer they can keep playing without him, probably the longer they'll keep him out just to get him closer and closer to 100%. Especially with a back issue for an older player, that's something that they'll want to just let it go as long as they can and um, you know, maybe even get it to a point where they have a couple days off. So maybe my guess, if I had to guess, I would say next Wednesday – they have three more games in between today and next Wednesday. They play tonight, Friday, Sunday, and then they don't play again until next Wednesday. So that would give them another week off and only missing three more games. So, I mean, if they're if they're going to keep using the word soon, my guess would be next Wednesday. Um, so <laughs> my coach said I know all about back issues. That's funny. Uh, I'm getting there, too, now that I'm tall and working all the time. <laughs> Man, yeah. Um, just getting older, so, period. <laughs> <laughs> all, all five starters and George Hill got into double figures. Middleton had 16, 8, and 4. Uh, Bobby had 13 and 17 with four offensive rebounds. So I'm going to keep talking about that. Um, and I mentioned it, Chris Middleton, he became the all-time franchise leader in threes. Uh, he was asked about it in the post game. He said, he said to Giannis, he's like, hey, man, just let me get one record and I'll be happy. Yep. He said yeah, that is going to have all point. the other team records. So, yeah. yeah, Middleton just wanted to have one team record, and it's uh, the three-pointers made. So um, yeah. he talked about it, and he just wants to keep moving up in the all-time ranks now and now that he's the, the Bucks franchise leader in three-pointers made. So um, what did you see from that Thunder game that stood out to you? Um, well, the Thunder, they're, they've been the same team for the last couple of years in terms of them being young and being scrappy. Uh, that's yep. what they do. They 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 have a couple of comeback win. They're comeback kids this year, actually. Two of their wins, comebacks were against the Lakers, which is hilarious. Yep. And one of them, they were down by twenty six, which is crazy. They came all the way back in that game. The other one was sixteen. So I remember uh, I was actually in Milwaukee, uh, not watching the game. I was listening to it on the radio. I had some uh, family stuff, I'll call it, uh, to attend to on Friday night. Um, it was Dave's celebration of life. But uh, I wasn't able to watch the game, but I was listening to it on the radio, and they were talking about um, them being the comeback kids. And, you know, it came true. They they closed the gap, and they were aggressive. And, 
Bobby Portis, dude, is it's so hard. I'm one of those guys, you know, like I love Aaron Rodgers. He's my favorite player because like he does amazing stuff, right? Giannis is my favorite player because I watched him and I'm like, holy crap, dude, he, like he's amazing. I'm saying if that if if Giannis didn't exist, Bobby Portis is easily my favorite player on the Buck. His work ethic, his game, uh, hit the funny faces he makes when like he's sliding on the ground or he's high step in the sidelines. Like I love everything Bobby Portis, man. Like he is awesome to me. He is amazing to watch. The thing that I really kind of took away from this game, really personally, was it was just a bad shooting game for both teams. They weren't very efficient from three point line or from the field. The Bucks just shot a little bit better, and that was kind of the difference in the game. I mean, we won ninety. Bucks were good at the free throw line in that game. was a was a help too. Hey, and you want to know something? My dad always told me growing up. My dad tried to teach me little keys here and there. He used to tell me free throws win games, and this is one of those games where that could be an example for that. Um, so. Bobby Portis, I love him. Chris Middleton, you know, breaking the record, like you said, that is awesome. I mean, congratulations to him. And Giannis is just the man. You were saying his stat line, and I wrote it down earlier when I was doing my research, and I'm like, good God, this guy does no wrong in this state. No wrong. Giannis does no wrong. Uh, but, yeah, it was just buckshot a little bit better and grinded out a W, man. They had a huge lead. They almost let it slip away. With with that being said, with our main guys coming back, this is the difference between, you know, NBA players who have been through it and NBA players who haven't. The thing with young players is they have to learn how to win. They have to learn how to close out games. And that's something that is – it's a process. That's what the Thunder are going through right now. They're learning how to win games. You can't put yourself down by 15 consistently and think that you're going to win 45, 55 games. It's just not going to happen that way. The Bucs, yep. Chris Middleton's back. He's getting his footing back. I didn't expect yep. him to be all-star, but he has been very, very good for us. Giannis, Drew, we have guys, pros, that know how to win and close out games. This is one of those games that shows that. Uh, the Bucks and Magic, holy crap, the Bucks got on fire, but I'm going to let you start with that one. All right, I just want to throw a couple more things out with that Oklahoma City game. Um, I wrote it in my notes that I want to see Drew Holiday start to heat up his shooting a little bit. Um, but with that also is Drew Holiday played some damn good defense in this game. Yeah. I mentioned it when we talked last week, just some things to look out for with SGA on, on Oklahoma city is Shigo Gildas Alexander. Um, he was held to five for 20 on shooting and he was two for 12 on three pointers. So Drew, you know, that's a, a thing where Drew isn't shooting well, but he's doing other stuff to impact the game. Um, yeah. I did mention the free throws. And then the last thing I wanted to say is it was really weird that the Bucks only had two fast break points in this game. That is that's very, me as weird. That's very un-Milwaukee Bucks-like. I would agree. Yeah, and you know what? It's not It's not a new thing. I mean, they they increase it the next two games going forward, but um, it was really weird that the Bucks only had two fast break points in that game, but... Uh, moving on to the Magic game, the Giannis first quarter check-in. He had nine points in the first quarter of this game. Out of his 32, he finished with 32, 20, and 5. Uh, the only player in NBA history to score 30, have 20 rebounds and 5 assists in 30 minutes or less. Um, so the time it takes a pizza to be delivered to your house, Giannis is putting up 30, 20, and 5 on you. That's that's sick, bro. That is so sick. That <laughs> I knew you'd like that. <laughs> I saw that stat. Uh, 
the other day when we won, and I was like, that is freaking nasty, bro. <laughs> so, now I put the star next to it in this game, but I'm going to talk about it in the next one as well, is Bobby's putting up stuff that can get him back into that six-man-of-the-year consideration. If, you know, it's he's starting some games here and there, depending on which way Budenholz or Shuffles will line up. Some games it's Pat, some games it's Bobby. Um, Bobby Portis, 24 points, 15 rebounds, three offensive, and he shot six of seven on threes. This, I mean, you talk about how good the, that Giannis can be in the paint and then the way that the role players are just raining down threes, which Grayson Allen is top five in the NBA and three-pointers made right now, so there's that. Um, He's been awesome. He fits so well. We're going to revisit that that Grayson-Dante thing in the future, so we'll definitely check in on that again. Um, but this this thing that stuck out to me in this game was opposite of the Oklahoma City game where the Bucks shot poorly on threes and well at the free throw line. This game they shot well on threes. They were 19 for 40, just under 50%. And then they took 37 free throws in this game. And only made 24. Mm. So that's, you know, we look at this game, the Bucks only won by nine. If they just make a handful more of those free throw games, it's a double-digit win. Uh, they out-rebounded Orlando 60-39. to 39, So that was, that jumped off the page right away on its own, was out-rebounding Orlando by 21. And um, grabbing 60, bro. I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> usually 50 is usually like a good benchmark, yeah. and they grabbed right. 60 rebounds in this game. Um I want to see the turnovers come down. That's something that stood out to me in a negative way with this game is 14 turnovers. Um, and then surprisingly, again, only eight fast break points and only 26 points in the paint out of 117, only 26 in the paint. So, I mean, I did mention the Bucks were raining down threes. They made almost 50% of their threes, but um, this was the second consecutive game. I saw this a lot was this topic of conversation where it was two games in a row where the Bucks uh, let a late lead kind of get slipped away, and then uh, they had to kind of push to finish the game out. Um, Thankfully, that wasn't the case in the next Orlando game, but I'm going to let Jake give his thoughts on the first Orlando matchup. Okay, so I'm just going to talk about some bonker stats in this game. First of all, Tyler already mentioned the Bucs, 19-40 from three. The Magic made 19 threes. They shot 51 three-pointers. I'm like, wow, bro, that's crazy. 51 threes they attempted. Um, that's absolutely insane. Bobby Portis, you mentioned his stats. He was crazy. Uh, no Cole Anthony for the Magic, which is actually really, really big. Yeah. Yep, they are. The Badgers yep. are they are just the Badgers a step are down. Slower. Yeah, they're down six and a half. I would agree with Scott. They look a step slow right now. Um, but I have a stat on Giannis and Bobby. Uh, they are the first Bucks duo to each record 20 points and 15 rebounds in the same game since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Curtis Perry on January 11th, 1974. Nice. I saw that the other day, and I was like, that is a long time ago. We both, so we both have stats from the 70s yeah. on the Bucks this week. All right, sweet. Yeah, so that uh, – Tyler and I are going to start a new segment. Uh, this is a good segue. We're going to start a stat of the week, and we're both going to come up with one, and we're going to share them on Friday. So if you guys are into interesting stats, it's always something that me and Tyler have personally really been interested in is those cool little stats, you know, like from 1974. That's a long time ago, man. Um, something that made me feel kind of old today. 
This is kind of off topic, but kind of relative. My stepson's birthday is actually tomorrow. It's on Thanksgiving, and he turns nine years old. And I had to think back, and I'm like, man, 2012 was nine years ago. What the hell happened? <laughs> holy camoly, man. Maybe hey, I mean, my, hey, my college basketball coach is watching and commenting today, and that was in 2011 that I was playing basketball, so I got that. Man, that's crazy, dude. Think about this, man. Wow. We've all got kids and families and houses. Yeah. What's going on anymore? We're going to talk bucks and magic. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's go on to the next one. <laughs> all right. So, I mean, Jake just gave his stat from 1974. I'm going to throw one out from 1978. Um, is the, the Milwaukee Bucks had the biggest lead at a halftime in franchise history in this game. Um, they were winning 77 to 36. So it's a 41 point lead. The previous record was 38 point lead in 1978. So the bucks broke a record for the, the biggest halftime lead since 1978. So, um, the biggest lead in franchise history at halftime. Um, first quarter check-in on Giannis. This game ended up being kind of weird because the bucks kept their foot on the gas. So they didn't need a ton of oomph late in this game. Um, Giannis had five of his 12, so almost half of his points. And then he finished with eight rebounds and nine assists. Um, really balanced scoring in this game. Like I said, they didn't really have to, um, I'm not, I don't want to say that they didn't have to compete late in this game, but, uh, the way they kept their foot on the gas, a lot of guys were able to get involved. Um, seven guys in double figures, every player that played scored, um, yeah. I'm stealing all of Jake's stuff. This is what happens when I go first. No, 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 I, I love say it. everything you have. <laughs> I, love, I love it because I, I love that everybody scored, dude. That just shows that you dominated somebody, man. I love it. So Bobby Portis, checking in on him again, 13 points, 11 rebounds, five of them offensive. Um, Chris Middleton at 12 points in 20 minutes. Drew Holiday heated up in this game, so I mentioned I was looking for him to heat up. Um, he finished 8 of 14 for 18 points, six rebounds and four assists, and two steals. Um Bucks got back a little more normal this game. Like I said, they kept their foot on the gas. Uh, 14 fast break points, 36 points in the paint, so getting a little more to their identity. Obviously ended up winning this game by 31 points. Um, and I got to mention I got to mention my man Pat Connaughton again. 17 points, 6 rebounds. He was 5 for 7 on threes. I mean, can't say, can't say enough good things about Pat Connaughton. Coach, thanks for tuning in. Um, I so I can't it, say enough. I really can't say enough good things about Pat Connaughton. No, man. Um, he's a stud. The thing about the Bucks, um, I find it hilarious when Bulls fans are, you know, and okay, I'm going on it right now. God, I was like, don't talk about the Bulls. Chicago fans are so annoying, dude. But during the offseason, all we heard about was, oh, the Bears this, the Bears that, Justin Fields, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the Bears are supposed to be amazing. Yeah, I know. They're on their fourth consecutive savior. I got it. Yeah. And now we get to the NBA season. The Bulls start out pretty good. They look good in some games. They've lost some games that they probably shouldn't have lost. They've won games that they they wouldn't have won in previous seasons. But let's not pound our chest and act like these guys are just going to run away at the title. Okay? Let's not act like they're going to run away with the Easter Conference. Okay? Let's settle down. The thing about the Bucs is we are filled with good professional basketball players. Pat Compton is high quality. Bobby Portis, high quality. George Hill, high quality. That's all coming off the bench. And then you get Dante is not even back yet. He's going to be, when he's healthy at first, he's probably going to be coming off the bench to start. Yeah. But High quality. No matter who comes yeah. off the 
bench at that guard position, that two guard, if it's Dante or if it's Grayson, high quality off the bench. Yep. The Bucks bench is legitimately nine deep, and I mean that with oh, all yeah. my heart. Yeah, nine guys that could start. This Milwaukee Bucks team is good. Very, very good. They have a very good chance as long as Giannis stays healthy, Chris Middleton's making his shots, and Drew Holiday isn't shooting one for 13 on threes. This Milwaukee Bucks team can go back-to-back. I don't care what anybody says. Dude, I strongly agree. I'm just so sick of Bulls fans, dude. I can't wait to playoffs. I really can't. The game's going to Okay, we're out. like, what, 15 games in? 17? Yeah, and they're like, they're like, oh, we're good, we're good. And they're acting like they're just blowing us out of the water. You're two games ahead of us, and we we're barely not, We're not even a quarter of the way see- through the season. I don't even start really caring about the NBA season. I mean, I do. But I don't really start caring until mid-January. That's when shit gets real. That's when you get close to the All-Star break. All-Star break, shit, yeah. That's when shit gets real, man. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, for me, I think it's football. I think for me, I think it's Christmas is that benchmark of when it starts to kind of get a little more serious. But even yeah. then, I mean, last year during the Bucks season, we spent basically all of January, February, and March talking about context and rotations and yep. and not caring about the wins and losses as much. Dude, if you're healthy and you're, if your superstars are healthy and you got you got your bench guys understanding their role, which I just talked about George Hill in the Lakers game, he completely understood his role in that game. He is a point guard. He didn't score. He had a plus 23, which is the highest of the whole game. He grabbed nine rebounds as a 6-3 guard, which was tied for the high on the Bucks. He knew his role. We have the, That's what I mean by high quality off the bench. Yep. And me and you were talking about it the other day, actually, in a group, and you talked about how the Bulls don't have any interior defense. That's not changing unless they make a trade, and they're going to have to give up something to acquire that ability, right? So, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, back to this Bucks and Magic game real quick here. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks stayed hot from behind the arc. Uh, they, they made 18 threes in this game. And for a total of the two games against the Magic, they shot 37 of 85. You shoot 37 of 85 in a two-game stretch, you're going to probably win both of those games, unless you're just turning the ball over at a, an alarming rate, right? Um Drew Holiday, you said he heated up. He was the leading scorer in this game. It was only the fourth game this year that Giannis wasn't the leading scorer on the Bucks. I thought that was something that was really, really key. And the Magic kind of slowed down in this game. They didn't shoot as well as they did the night before, the game before, not the night before. And Bobby Portis, man, you know, we keep bringing him up, but he has a streak of three consecutive double-double games, and that's, that's the guy that's going to be coming off our bench, and I've hit on that about 100 times on a very redundant right now, but – his ability to double-double up off the bench, get Bobby Buckets is his nickname. He's a lunch pail guy. He does it all. And I love when he gets a steal and leaks out and he does his little finger roll, man. I mean, looks kind of corny with the headband, but it works, man. Uh, I, lo- I love it, man. The, this Bucks team, we're going to be heating up. And I can't wait to shut up the Chicago fans. It's always my, it's always my favorite thing so, in sports. It was funny that you said it. You said, you know, the, the Bulls aren't running away with the title, and I the first thing that popped into my head was, oh, they're, they're going to run away with the five seed. Yeah. for they, they probably will be the five seed. I can see that. That's realistic. Because, I mean, once once everybody's healthy, Brooklyn's above them, Milwaukee's above them, uh, Miami's above them, and then you take your pick of Philly, Boston. Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta, Washington actually looks all right right now. 
I mean, they're, I think they're going to fall to that like seven, eight Charlotte area. Did um, you see, <laughs> I got to ask, did you see Kyle Kuzma sweater the other day? Did you see it, bro? Oh my God. Did you see all the memes, man? That was probably the weirdest thing I've ever seen anybody wear. I was like, like, I don't, did, like, did he steal that from Boban or something? Dude, he had to because this guy's like 6'9", 6'10", and it's hanging off his hands like he's a freaking four. Dude, like, he better not wear that in the wintertime when it snows or it's going to be all slushy, like the bottom of your pants gets slushy like that. Yeah, that's, that's what not... the sleeves are going to look like. <laughs> and then you're going to end up cold no matter what, right? <laughs> oh, man, I just had to ask if you saw that because that was super awkward. I was laughing my ass off at all the memes, though, dude. That shit was hilarious. <sighs> All right, that's enough Kyle Kuzma talk. Um, one last thing I want to say about the Bucks: uh, Semi Ojale is going to miss at least three weeks, which is a bummer because just as guys are starting to come back, we're, we were starting to see what Semi Ojale's role could be. Uh, I saw a yep. lot of a lot of hate for Semi Ojale because he's off to a slow shooting start, but um, you know he's done some good things here and there. He's shown flashes of being a good defender, which we know that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but as guys get healthy and semi Ojale finds like a role, um, you know, that's the type of thing like, like Thanasis. Thanasis knows his role. Yep. His role is cut out. When he gets put in, his role is to give a thousand percent for a couple minutes. That's, that's Thanasis's role is to, to give all the effort you have for a 48 minute game in six minutes. That's something that Semi Ojale can find out when everybody's healthy. And that's that's what the Bucks need right now is to be healthy. But right now the big three is healthy and they're 6-0 with the big three playing. So that's the important takeaway. Um, I don't know if you have anything else Bucks related. Um, no, they're going to wear those sweet new jerseys again tonight. Uh, the Pistons will also be wearing their City Edition jerseys. Uh, other than that, let's just keep stacking up wins, hopefully get healthier. Um, health seems to be a word that needs to be talked about with all of our teams lately, which is very frustrating, but the Bucks are getting healthier. Um, that being said, we're going to move on to the Packers, I think, here. Yeah. I had to say it, dude. I was thinking about it already. Can, <laughs> we, were... can we just go one game? Just one game without somebody getting hurt? Seriously, dude. Seriously. Fuck, like, just one game, dude. Seriously, just one. I just want to go one game where we end up the next week being healthier than we were the week before. Apparently, I'm not going to get that opportunity. I mean, it's two weeks in a row where we lose an impact player to a season-ending injury. Because yeah. now, next year, we're going to be in the same position with Elton Jenkins that we are right now with Bakhtiari. We just talked different. about it last week, how we're excited that the left side of our line is going to be healthy and we can move guys back. And now, we're going to be without Elton Jenkins the rest of the year. The only good thing with this happening now instead of the when it happened with Bakhtiari's injury was in the middle of the playoffs is that we can prepare for it at least. That's the only the only good thing I can say about that. It ugh, it sucks. It, it sucks. Does. I mean, I I don't know exactly when Josh Myers is going to be back yet. Um I don't think they've said, but um you know, it's the Bucks or the Bucks. The Packers just need health. I saw a lot of Vikings fans criticizing the Packers defense, and it's like, okay, 
This also is not nearly a healthy Packers defense. It's not even the same Packers defense they had last week. For real. When Rashawn Gary and Whitney Merciless played. You give us those two, and the pass rush is much different, and maybe one of those interceptions stands instead of getting called back for a penalty. A lot of things change. Um, A lot of things change. uh, When I do my stars, you'll hear. I got something to say. For me, three stars would have been Rodgers, MVS, and probably A.J. Dillon. They all would have been on offense. It was kind of a rough game for the defense, but um, I'll let you throw your three out there. Okay, so uh, my three stars, um, I have an honorable mention being Kenny. Uh, Kenny Clark was absolutely manhandling that center on multiple He was murdering him. He was making him look not 300 pounds. That's what I'm gonna say, dude. He he pushed that center back so hard on one play that he almost sacked Kirk Cousins on a I handoff. I thought he was gonna do it. He would have blew up on Twitter, dude. People would have been going crazy. Uh, Kenny Clark was a madman to start out the game. He had a, he kind of gassed out a little bit, but he still had his plays here and there. Uh, my number three was actually Preston Smith. Uh, he ended the game with six tackles, four solo, two sacks. Two two tackles for loss, and he had three quarterback hits. Now, you take into account Kenny Clark collapsing the middle. Uh, Preston Smith had two sacks, which was only two for the entire team. And then you give him, you know, Preston Smith was really the only pass rusher by himself. Uh, I mean, we had some flashes on the other side. But uh, imagine if uh, Rashawn Gary's over there, and now you have the Packers defense. You know, he's really, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to feel the pressure from all angles. He knows he can roll out to one side now, and that's kind of the weak side of the defense. Uh, that that takes away played. some of those deep balls that he was able to throw. Yeah, he still played a great game. No Preston Smith, in my opinion. Um, number two is a combo. It's two wide receivers. Uh, Devontae Adams, he was doubled basically all game. Bracket covers all game. They played shell defense. Uh, they played a lot of cover two. And shell defense basically just keeps everything in front of you. Um, and they were just not allowing – Adams to break free. They would send a linebacker underneath. They'd have a corner over the top, safety over the top. They were not allowing Adams to break free and do what he normally does. He still ended with seven receptions, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. That's him being held in check. Dude, that's I I tweeted this. I was absolutely baffled. How did Rodgers see Adams on that second touchdown? I have no idea. That's Aaron. He was being pushed to the ground, threw it like this, and then it's like Adams is just wide open. Like, how did you see that? But I'm going to touch on that. I'm going to touch on that because Rodgers is Rodgers, right? Um, MVS was the other one. Um, he had a, one of the biggest game, plays of the game, that big, long 75-yarder. He had a, yep. another long, long catch. Earlier in the game, he had four receptions, 123 yards, and that touchdown. Um, we went a stretch where we scored two touchdowns in a matter of nine seconds, which is absolutely insane. And right after that long touchdown was that called back interception. It was a drop. That is per the rules. We have to complete the catch. That's, that's the same. That's the Des rule right there. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, you know, the, the catch, it's like the ground can cause a non catch, but the ground can't cause a fumble because that play to me is the same thing as the running back. Say a running back's running and he gets hit in the legs and he falls over and his elbow hits and the ball comes loose, right? It can't cause a fumble. 
So, but it can cause an incompletion. And, and it was just like, that's where the rules kind of get a little messy, in my opinion. They kind of overlap each other. And that's kind of a discussion that they need to have, you know? Like, that's the, that's the, okay. So, this is my response to that is that's a, a football move is the difference there. Uh, when a running back, when a running back is, say, like diving for an extra yard or diving for the goal line or just falling down, like, say, like with an ankle tackle and he's falling down he's been in the process of making a football move. He's already been running and moving. Whereas when Savage is coming down from attempting a catch and then the ball hits the ground, that's the lack of a football move would be my answer to your question. I mean, you're probably not wrong, but tell, to tell me that a running back just running, say a running back breaks a run for 15 yards and he gets tackled by the leg and he falls and he fumbles. Tell me that's any different than Savage recognizing a, a play, reading the play, running over to get in front of the receiver and then diving in front of him, falling to the ground. That was an athletic-ass play that he made. Savage so, almost had three interceptions in this game. He he dropped a couple. The, the last one was really, really tough for me. But you're going to tell me that the running back just running through a hole is more of a football move than what Darnell Savage did? I don't know. If you if you bring a couple safeties in here, I think they would disagree with you. Um, but that's just me. It's neither here nor there. The Packers didn't make any stops in this game. Um, with that being said, my third star was Aaron Rodgers. Um, second half, man, he was absolutely on fire. He took this game over. He noticed the trend of the game changing. The defense wasn't getting any stops. And he was just like, okay, fracture toe that he decided to shove in everybody's face. Today, by the way. <laughs> you didn't see that. Watch that. Uh, fracture toe and all. I'm going to have to do something, baby. And he was doing stuff. He was flinging. He looked like old Aaron Rodgers. Uh, last week we talked about, you know, the offense getting back on track. And we talked about the confidence that we have in the defense now. Defense is a little banged up. We'll talk about their game plan. I, I think that's going to happen for the Rams. And the offense getting on track. I think this is good. This game was good for us overall. Uh, Mason Crosby has to figure some shit out. I'm going to say that right now. But Aaron yeah. Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers. It was nice to see the offense put up 31 again. Okay. So I want to say a couple things. I wanted to look up the, the Packers injury report because I want to find out if um if Alan Lazard is practicing. Because I was I was pleased to see MVS using his hands well. Um he made a couple really nice catches with his hands. Um this is this would be like a thousand IQ play would be for MVS instead of running that play in for a touchdown to go out of bounds. This is something that like it's a it's a really tough thing to say to do in the moment. But if MVS had caught that ball and ran out of bounds at say like the like the ten yard line or something, and the Packers could have bled the clock to not give Minnesota another possession, that would have been like a thousand IQ play. I'm not saying that MVS is is a was an unintelligent play because like I mean you have the ball in a wide open field like your instinct is to score and the Packers almost pulled it off to have an interception to go and win the game but it unfortunately left Minnesota with little over two minutes to go and, and score to win the game so I I don't think you can make that call in the moment but looking back at it you know you think you know should the Packers have not scored right away it's, it's a really, really tough thing to try to think about, but it is something I thought was worth bringing up was did they score too soon? I actually have a rebuttal for that. I have 
two things. One, that was one of the only plays they didn't play shell defense. They played man. That's the first moment they fucked up. Okay, <laughs> MBS is fast, real fast. Yeah. Yep. Yunk, okay, Rogers was on fire second half. He put that baby in the breadbasket. Yeah. Rogers was dotting all Sunday afternoon. Um, here's the things that I wrote down. I wrote on time of possession, total plays, and third down. Time of possession, they barely beat us. It was 29, 28 minutes and 59 seconds to 31 minutes and one second. All came down to that last possession that you're talking about. Total yep. plays, they ran 66 to our 54. And third down conversions, Packers were 7 of 11, and the Vikings were 9 of 13. We could not get them off the field. That's terrible. We gave them a bunch of conversions with penalties, too, which, oh, my God, just irritates me. I do it. I almost wrote down penalties. I almost did, but I was like, I'm not going to write down penalties because I'm not going to be that guy. There was a couple I'm not. There. I'm not saying that the penalties cost the Packers the game. I'm saying the Packers hurt themselves by committing those penalties. In the first half, it sure did look like that because we would have a big play, and then it would get called back for a holding. And it happened a couple possessions, two or three possessions, where I'm just like – Or Savage's I, I first interception that got called back for a roughing the passer. Yep, yep, and it's – Or a, a 45-yard pass interference penalty on third and two. Yeah. Oh my God, why are you throwing deep on third and two and then you get that? That's why people will throw deep on, on third and long because you can just get a, a PI. You never know. I mean, it is what it is. Um, this was a winnable game. I, I'm i actually truly not that upset that we lost. I'll just be honest. It's it's a, it's a one of those mid-season losses. I mean, it's kind of like the, if there's a lull in the NFL season, it's right around this time, especially with the bye week coming up. Um, oh my God, so that's – the Packers need a bye week, but something that's encouraging is Aaron Jones practiced today. I know, dude. Dude, Aaron Jones practiced today. I know. That's nuts. Um, so my dad said what what I was thinking. Um, you don't want to take points off the board. That's what I was thinking was you're not guaranteed to score if you you know if you go out of bounds at the ten yard line. Um, at that point, you're 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 betting on yourself, kind of. Um, so you're not you're not guaranteed to score. If you go out of bounds, and then at that point, you know, you're looking at at overtime in that situation also, um, and then you're you know you're playing a coin flip basically. So that's like I said, it's probably not something that you would consider doing, but I mean, it takes the last possession away from Minnesota if you do it. But you know, it's kind of just an unfortunate thing. Um, I want to throw out. This is really weird to say, but give a little credit to Tyler Lancaster. He uh, he played well in the run game. He did. He had a he had a couple really nice tackles in the run game, and I mentioned it last week, talking about how I felt better about the Packers linebacking core. Um, Dalvin Cook wasn't really a factor. He really wasn't. I mean, his touchdown that he had was what a, a one inch rushing touchdown. Yeah, I mean the you know the really big deal in this game was Justin Jefferson, and if Jair is healthy, in addition to our pass rushers, like when we play Minnesota at the beginning of January, I fully expect, assuming everybody's healthy, that the Packers just beat the hell out of the Vikings. Hi, how's it going, guys? Um, talking about that, uh, Justin Jefferson absolutely murdered us on off. 
coverage. Um, I saw a stat. Uh, what did he finish with? 166, I believe, right? Something um, like that. 123 of his receiving yards were off of soft coverage, and soft coverage is determined by five-plus yards of cushion. We just played too much zone. And, and that's that. – and this is a – I wrote this down was that this is a, a game that Eric Stokes can take all the game tape and say, here's why you can learn from this game. He got caught in no man's land a couple times. It happened one on one of Jefferson's really big plays where um, Thielen and Jefferson both went the same way. And Stokes yep. got caught like right here, right in between. He wasn't close enough to Thielen. He wasn't close enough to Jefferson and cousins just put it right over the top of him, right to Jefferson for like a 45 yard game. The Packers play a little bit of a match zone, right? So, so if you make the rookie use his eyes and at that NFL speed, it's going to be tough for him. He's got to know in that situation, and he'll learn. He seems like a smart guy, good head on his shoulders. He'll understand that he has to take deep leverage. If yep. Thielen catches that pass, fine. You give up a, t- a 10, 15-yard pass. Yep. You give up 15, yep. Better than a, a freaking 55-yard pass that's almost turned into a touchdown. Yep. If it wasn't for Adrian Amos' amazing effort on that play, um, Stokes would have given up a touchdown on that play. But they basically just ran levels. That's all that is. You have run, run one run guy underneath, run a guy over the top, you make the rookie make a decision, right? Um, he just had to use his eyes, and he wasn't able to process that stuff fast enough. Next year, yep. though, try to shit on my boy. He's got that speed, baby. He'll be able to, Dude, he he'll be able even, to he's not year. even bad this year. He's had two bad games this entire season. I wouldn't even say bad games. I think he just has some bad moments, really. He still makes plays. That's fair. He still makes plays in the game where he's technically bad. But what do you expect? We're throwing this guy into the number one cornerback role as a rookie. Like, yeah. that's not easy in the NFL. It's a pass. Especially when you consider some of the receivers that he's going against. You know, obviously he just played against Thielen and Jefferson. But, I mean, you look at the Bengals trio of wide receivers. You look at the Steelers wide receivers. You look at Scary Terry. I mean. Good wide receivers, man. You, you could throw Allen Robinson into that mix. I mean, maybe not. He he runs like negative five miles per hour for the Bears because he hates Matt Nagy. I mean, that's I understand. Whole, he that's a whole been. drama in itself, man. Holy crap! That's. I terrible. mean, the Packers have played against some good wide receivers. I mean, Debo Samuel with the 49ers. Oh. Aside from two really really touchy pass interference calls, Eric Stokes was really good in that game. I mean, I mean, did you mention the Seahawks yet? DK the Seahawks, yes, that game. That's the that's the cherry on top. Is Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf combining for like what six for forty six, yeah, six for fifty six? Terrible. terrible. <laughs> they were terrible. That's all I know. They both. Was, I think he was targeted four times in that game and gave up zero receptions. Yeah, he was the man. He was the man. Yeah. Um, so looking at the Badgers, the Badgers are down seven, about fifteen minutes left in the in the second half. So that's what that is it, but. What do I mean? Do you want to talk about anything else with this Badger, Badgers, Packers, Vikings game? I mean, um, the last thing that I want to mention is AJ Dillon. I saw a lot of people complaining. You know, the Vikings have a terrible rushing defense. Why didn't we run the ball more than eleven times? First of all, obviously no Aaron Jones. That's part of it. Second of all, Aaron Rodgers was dealing, so there's that. And third of all, AJ Dillon. Yes, he only had eleven carries, but AJ Dillon also had six receptions in this game. No. So AJ Dillon still got 17 touches in this game. That's a, a pretty healthy number for a running back. That's pretty good volume, I would say. You give a running back 17 touches, they're gonna put up some nice numbers, or at least you hope. You know, 
He finished with 97 yards. He said it's not terrible. You could do a lot worse, in my That's opinion. Just about – it's a little over five yards a touch. I mean, and you're doing that in a game where two wide receivers had over 100 yards and your quarterback had 400 passing yards. I exactly. Mean, he was the he was the fourth option. He almost had a hundred yards. <laughs> okay, it's <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, AJ Dillon was still heavily involved in the game, so I'm not terribly worried about the run pass. When I have no complaints about the offense, really. No, me neither. I, I guess I can't really complain about the defense either. It's just the Packers kind of beat themselves, in my opinion, in this game. The Vikings did make some some plays, but. I, I really feel like, you know, with the penalties, like you said, the penalties, yep. a couple couple little things differently here and there, I think the Packers could win there. And the, the frustrating thing is, like, the Vikings ended up being really good at the end of the day on third down, is there was a third down early in the game that they defended so well. They defended the third down so well. They forced Kirk no. Cousins out of the pocket. He was on the run, and then the last option that he had was Adam Thielen, and and Oren Burks went and covered that up, so Kirk had nowhere to go with the ball but to throw it away. Oh, they did it. They they played that third down so well, and the announcers were giving all the credit to Joe Barry. They're talking about the the match zone that you mentioned. Oh, it just it sucks they couldn't maintain that. They couldn't yeah. they couldn't maintain the pass rush. I mean, Naliyai had he had a couple nice plays. And to the Packers' credit, something I mentioned last week and the week before is that they're really good at defending plays behind the line of scrimmage. So they're they're still not giving up big plays on the screens. Um, the rushing defense looks better, especially than it has in past years. But yeah. um, the rushing defense looks good. Um, I mean, I mentioned Tyler Lancaster being involved in in good rush defense. Um, I mean, the front the front seven is doing everything they can, and the secondary it just need we just need to be healthy yeah my main Um, thing is i just want the packers to be healthy and the thing that kind of sucks is garvin just got put on the COVID 19 list there that kind of sucks so i saw he didn't practice i didn't know why yeah i saw it on uh uh, so there's a guy i follow on instagram his name is uh big packer and he literally always has the latest and all the news and he he posted that so that's uh, probably something that's official, in my opinion. Yeah, I would expect uh, Rodgers not to practice all week. I'm, I would be near positive that he doesn't practice today, tomorrow. Uh, maybe he'll be limited on Friday, but um, I wouldn't expect Rodgers to be practicing a lot. Um, looking got, forward to this. this. I just found a stat. You want to hear this stat? Do it. Um, Aaron Rodgers threw four TD passes in week 11. Make his ninth straight division game with multiple TD passes and no interceptions. That's that. No wonder they hate this guy. <laughs> Just no wonder, man. I mean, it's good news the Packers could get him. Oh, okay. Here's here's some. I'm just looking at this guy's story right now. I think the David Bakhtiari news is good news. The Packers could get him and Jair Alexander back in December. I, dude, I'm telling you, the week after the bye, that's what I'm telling you. Bakhtiari, uh, Jair, and I'm thinking Aaron Jones the week after the bye. I mean, you know I'm okay with that So I'm going to that game. Uh, I'm going to that Bears game. So if we get all those guys back, dude, oh, man, I'm going to be ready to run through a wall, baby. <laughs> let's go. All I right, so let's talk, let's talk about this Sunday. 
Let's talk about the Packers offense versus the Rams defense. We know, I mean, it's it's a pretty similar Rams defense to what they played in the playoffs last year, and then they added Von Miller. So let's talk about the Packers offense versus the Rams defense and, and what you're looking for in that. Um, Badgers just cut St. Mary's lead, lead to two, by the way. So the Badgers are only down two. There we go. Um, so we're going to talk about Von Miller. We have to mention about him getting absolutely thrown around by George Kittle. Holy cow, dude. Did you see that play? I did not. Dude, George Kittle took him at least three, four yards. It was a stretch run to the left. Just manhandles this guy. Just holding him right here. He's not going nowhere. He looks like a little kid. Ah, no. Just, just <laughs> right here, dude. And lays him on his ass, man. Holy camole. I was like, holy shit, Von Miller? That was Von Miller he just did that to. Dude, George Kittle's a bad man. Um, the Los Angeles Rams, very talented. I'm going to say this right now. They are finesse. They remind me of old Packers teams. This Packers team is different because they're physical up front. They're physical at point of attack. That's and they, why they've I, had no choice but to be physical in in the absence of guys being injured, so. Yeah, you got you got guys. You know, that's something that kind of could be playing to our benefit too. Is we got guys that could be trying to play for bigger paydays, bigger roles. Like, like these guys are hungry; they're trying to take somebody's next meal. You know what I mean? That's what the NFL is all about. Like, I'm gonna come take your job now. That's what it is, man. Um, so right now, I was man, I was looking at all the stats. I went through the Rams last couple of games. Um, I went looked at the weather, the over-under, everything. I'm looking at everything, and it's just tough for me to not think that there's a way that the Packers lose this game. That's really how I feel. That's yeah. not my heart talking. That's not my gut. That's just me looking at everything, digesting everything, and that's what I came out with. The 49ers bullied the Los Angeles Rams. They ran for 156 yards. They ran the ball 44 times. They, the Rams – are just they're just not built for this outside football, man. That's really how I feel. It's gonna be a, an awkward Sunday at my house because my father in law is a big Rams fan. So he's uh he walks by every once in a while and he makes his little comments and he, he says, Oh, it's gonna be really bad when the Rams win on Sunday. And I'm like, it ain't gonna happen, man. Not in Rogers' house, baby. Um I just don't see a way where the the Rams win. You, you basically you just keep this thing close and you wait for Matthew Stafford to give you the ball back, back twice. And one of them is going to go back for a touchdown. <laughs> Cause that's just what <laughs> Shannon Sullivan pick six this week. Let's do it. Uh, he's the, he's the last one to get one. I believe. I don't remember the last person to have a pick six for us. Was it Sullivan a couple years ago in week two? It was two weeks. I think it was two years ago. Yeah. I think it was know. against Stafford. So. Oh my God. It was, it was the lions. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Yes, I got Jake. Welcome. If that, oh man, if that that's why I said Shannon Sullivan. Oh my God, that'd be crazy. Um, I'll give my weather and score prediction in a little bit, but to have the Packers only favored by one point right now is absolutely criminal, in my opinion. But we'll get to there later. All right. So if I'm looking at the Rams defense, I'm looking at Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Those are the the two guys I'm looking at. Honestly, you mentioned already what, what George Hiddle did to Von Miller. For me, the Packers are doing – sucks losing Elton Jenkins, but uh, Yash Nyman in the couple games that Jenkins missed earlier this year actually played pretty well. Yeah. Um, 
The Packers offensive line, I think, has a reputation for playing well when guys are hurt. Um, I'm not terribly concerned about Von Miller. No. What I'm looking for for the Packers is to spread the ball around, use the run to set up the pass instead of vice versa, let A.J. Dillon wear their defense down a little bit. So I would expect A.J. Dillon to have more than 11 carries, especially after watching last week's game where the 49ers showed you the blueprint for how to beat the Rams is to wear them down. And we have Aaron Rodgers instead of Jimmy G. So there's that. Jimmy G was going crazy on them too. So, I mean, the Packers, to me, I don't even consider Jalen Ramsey as canceling out Devontae Adams because Devontae torched him in the playoffs last year. Um, Alan Lazard torched Jalen Ramsey last year for a 58-yard touchdown. So if MVS can get any sort of release and just hit a couple of those deep balls, um, Rodgers showed a very willingness to throw them last week. I think he took like four deep shots in like the first quarter last week. Um, So if you can hit on just one of those, the Rams are going to have to back up and their front seven isn't going to be as effective. So just a, a couple. If you hit one deep shot early, that's going to make the, the Rams kind of have to play on their heels a little bit. And then you use A.J. Dillon to just push them down. Um, looking at the Rams offense, there's playmakers. They have a lot of playmakers in the receiving game. You put Eric Stokes on Cooper Cup. And you put whoever you want on OBJ. He still seems kind of like he's playing the diva, frustrated receiver role. Like he hasn't grown out of that from how he was in Cleveland. He's a 99 um, at that. <laughs> so, I mean, don't, don't discount OBJ, but he hasn't shown me anything this season that's, that makes me afraid of him. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. And then, you know, the Rams are kind of a timeshare at running back. They don't have Cam Akers, their lead back. Um, Daryl Henderson is solid. Um, I mean, just kind of do what you do on defense. I, I trust Joe Barry to have a good game plan for this. Um, and, you you know, like you said, Matthew Stafford, he's a turnover-prone guy in his career. So just clean up the penalties is really my key for the Packers' defense. And that's that's what I want is to clean up the penalties is really what I want. And health. Yeah. I would love to uh, get through this game healthy. Um, I would say let's give a – if you give – you know, you talked about – AJ Dillon's touches last week. He had 17 touches. If you keep AJ Dillon around that in the pass, in the receiving game, and in the rushing game, I think that's going to be a good recipe for the Packers. Kind of keep them on their toes a little Dude, bit. I I gotta say, I really love AJ Dillon getting work in the passing game because nobody wants to touch him. Dude, he made everybody wants really... to arm tackle him or like tackle him by his legs. Nobody wants to go up against AJ Dillon. Okay, you I get guess... AJ Dillon out in space on like a. You know, a third or fourth read, where you're just checking it down to him. Like you're putting you're putting somebody in a position to be about to be run over. Yeah, man, that's how. <laughs> and you know, on top of that, you got a finesse Rams team that I already mentioned. You got them coming off a bye, so they didn't have really much contact in the last week. And you got to come in. It's gonna be pretty damn cold in Green Bay. Yeah, it's, I think I saw the high. I'll, I'll let I'll, I almost stole your segment. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll let you talk about the weather and then give a score prediction. Yeah. So 
Here we go, Jake Burgundy back in the building. Um, this Jake Burgundy is going to be really good from one of our buddies, Isaac, because he's actually going to be at the game, his first ever game at Lambeau. So that's very exciting. I keep telling him all the good breakfast spots, uh, but I told him the person that's going to eat the most on that day is going to be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so with that being said, the weather is going to be 38 degrees. Real feel, it's going to feel like 27 degrees. Uh, northwest winds at 15 miles per hour. So you're taking 27 degrees with 15 mile hour winds. And wind gusts are going to average between 20 and 22 miles per hour in the stadium. So that's going to be pretty crazy. And if you remember us talking a couple of weeks ago, Rogers talked about, you know, the wind in the stadium, how that affects it. I think we're about to get a heavy dose of A.J. Dillon running over some uh, Los Angeles Rams linebackers who I have no idea who the hell they are. They got all these stars all over the place. I have no idea one middle linebacker on the Rams. I just know he's a white guy. That's all I know. <laughs> That's literally the only thing that I know. <laughs> My dad made a parallel that we've talked about previously is A.J. Dillon to Braylon Allen. Yeah. And that's what I said last week. If you get Braylon Allen going in the receiving game, like, watch out. Dude, oh, man. Uh, dude, Braylon Allen wore down the Nebraska corner. Uh, yeah, I'd say. He wore them down. That's why he got that long run at the end of the game. But yep. anyway. All right. Give me your score prediction, and then we'll talk about Braylon Allen. <sighs> score prediction. So, I looked at their last two games. They lost 28-16 to to the Titans. And if you looked at the stats of those games, the Rams literally blew them out of the water in every stat. It was crazy. Everything was even in the stats except the score. Um, so 28 to 16, they lost there. The 49ers really beat the piss out of them, dude. They treated them some, like some little punk kids on their lawn, and they weren't supposed to be on their lawn. 31 to 10, they smacked those boys around. So 59 to 26 in the last two games that they played. I got Green Bay 34 17, baby. I gave him 17 and giving him a garbage touchdown. I for me, I think it's a little bit closer. I do I I respect the the Rams offense. Um Cooper Cup is he's nuts. Um and Matthew Stafford is gonna throw the ball probably 40, 45 times. Um I would I would seriously I would expect him to throw that much. I mean, after watching Kirk Cousins succeed in the passing game and LA doesn't have a Dalvin Cook in their backfield that they need to give touches. So I, I, Matthew Stafford's probably going to throw the ball a lot. Um, a little bit closer for me. I'm going to say 31 to 24 Packers. Okay. Dude, the Rams have zero running game. So the Packers being good against the run and the Rams' inability to run the ball, that is just asking for Stafford to throw two interceptions. For me, if if the Packers can generate any sort of pass rush, I could see this being a double-digit win. I'm going to keep That's... it at a touchdown at seven points. Um, but you know, if if the Packers generate any sort of pass rush, it's it's really over for the Rams because they you know they don't use their running game to set up their passing game. They're just like, yeah, we have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and we had Robert Woods and Ob and OBJ, so we're just going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, they they. The Rams rely a lot on McVay's ability to creatively, you know, get these guys open instead of using the traditional run to open up the pass kind of deal. And McVay's very good at it, but people are going to catch on eventually, man. So this is – I'm going to make this comparison is take the game plan from Seattle and do the same thing. 
where I mentioned it during the Seattle game that 97% of the plays had six or fewer players in the box for the Packers. And they were still able to generate pressure. So if the Packers can keep, you know, six guys in the secondary mm-hmm. and, you know, play with more DBs on the field and, and less guys in the box, um, you know, which which they can do against the Rams. Like I said, they don't have a Delvin Cook. Um, that could be a really big difference maker. So that could be sort of an ideal situation type thing. So, um, you know, my score prediction could end up being off and could be end up being closer to Jake's, which um, – Jake did a good job of predicting that the Badgers in Nebraska were going to be closer. Um, and I talked about Nebraska having a, a trio of good wide receivers, but um, they were more effective than I thought they would be. Um, the Badgers didn't generate quite their normal pass rush, but um, they still came away with the win in this game. The messed up thing with, that to me that came with this game is the Badgers won and moved down three spots. Yeah, they went from 15 to 18. In the playoff poll. Yeah, I saw that too. Whatever. So let's talk about the Badgers versus Nebraska. Oh, man. Well, we're going to talk about Brandon Allen all a bunch, so I'll start in a different direction. Graham Mertz again looked good, man. He was accurate. He hey, made, no interceptions! He made, his de- he made his decisions very quickly, and they were the right decisions. That was the key part. Jake Ferguson had a great game. Eight catches, yeah. very hard. He was Mr. Reliable. Uh, Kendrick Pryor, two catches, 45 yards. He had that touchdown. Uh, Merch is he could have had another one. Yeah. Um, but Braylon fucking Helen, dude. This kid <laughs> is a tank. Um, did you see his interview with Matt Liner a couple weeks ago after the – I did not. It was pretty good. Um, he talked about how he has, a, he has a defensive player mindset because of in high school he played safety his sophomore yeah. year. And then he kind of bulked up a little more, and he played linebacker. And then he played a little bit of running back. So he said he, he was like – he wasn't sure if it, when, when he went to college if he was going to be a defensive player. He thought he was going to be a linebacker in college, you know, especially coming to Wisconsin. You know, we kind of churn out linebackers these last couple of years. He was kind of like, I'll just follow in that line. Well, he has that mindset of see, kill, and he's 240 pounds, and you give him the ball in his hands. And you know what it turned into this last week? 22 carries, 228 yards, and three touchdowns. <laughs> he and kill. That's exactly what he did. Um, he had a a 50, like a 51 and a 72-yard touchdown? Dude, that 71-yard run, he looked awesome, dude. He has great extension on the legs. He has good speed. He has good power. Like, this kid literally has it all, man. I mean, he, he has <clears> – this <throat> was his seventh straight, at least 100. Yep, he yards. broke the record, yep. In the um, first quarter, I think he had it. Yeah, the first quarter or the first half. But the thing about his seven straight hundred yard rushing game—that's the longest streak in the nation. All of a sudden, he has the most consecutive hundred yard rushing games by any running back. So that's impressive in its own right. The Badgers have been winning since he's been getting a hundred yards. They're a completely different team. The ball moves. We keep the chains moving. We stay ahead of the chains. We're putting Mertz in better positions to make better throws. Everything is kind of riding on this six-two, two hundred forty-pound, seventeen-year-old kid. And he's just kind of taking it in stride, dude. It's absolutely incredible to see, man. I Like you said, you couldn't say enough good things about Pat. I could talk about Brandon Allen for hours, man. This kid is impressive, man. That's He has, oh, he averages eight yards a rush in conference play. <laughs> That's stupid. That is stupid. Every time you give him the ball, he's getting eight yards. What the hell is that, man? That's crazy. He averaged 10 yards a rush on Saturday. 
He did. Yep. He had 22 carries. Every one of them, he got a first down. <laughs> That's crazy, man. I'm gonna let you talk a little bit before I start talking about Nebraska after this. So you mentioned you mentioned Graham Mertz and Jake Ferguson. Graham Mertz had 12 completions in this game. Eight of them were Jake Ferguson. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna say it again. I've said it like four times. I love the tight end screen that they set up. I love it. That's such a great play call. They ran it out of play action this past week. I know. They play action. They faked the handoff to Braylon Allen, and they set up a screenplay for Jake Ferguson, and he ran for like 17 yards. That was that was beautiful. I, I love the tight end screen, and I love that Paul Chris keeps using it. Uh, I really can't say anything about Braylon Allen that you didn't already say. Um, he, looks, he looks like Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon and Ron Dane kind of all combined at times. No. I mean, he's running people over, and then last week he jumped over a, a DB out of a spin. He like he came out of a spin move, and the next thing he did was jump over a defensive back. That's absolutely insane, dude. He's just um, if he if he plays all four years, he's got like record potential. It's it's really early because he's a seventeen year old freshman, but um, he he'll be in the Heisman talk next year. Yeah. So a couple things. There was two really bad penalties that happened in this game. One was a missed face mask. Um, Braylon Allen got his ear hole grabbed early, and that led to the missed field goal. So the Packer, the Packers, the uh, yeah, the Packers missed the field goal, and so did the Badgers. They did. The um, Packers did miss the field goal. <laughs> yeah. So um, the missed face mask led to the missed field goal, and then the play, the the pass interference at the end of the game. That to me, that ball was nowhere near catchable. That ball was like five yards out of bounds. Okay, first of all, I don't know if Shaquille O'Neal in his prime is jumping up and catching that. I don't know if Sean Kemp in his prime is jumping up and catching that. Dude, that shit was high as hell. How the hell did they call that? And then everybody wants to complain about the one that they didn't call at the end end of the game. I'm like, Makeup call. They oldest one. Yeah, he just got, yeah that was that was annoying. Um, my dad asked me to find the youngest player to reach a thousand yards in a college football season. I couldn't find it. Stat News didn't even have it. The only thing I could find was the youngest players to reach a thousand yards in the NFL, and Jonathan Taylor is among them. So Wisconsin, you know, still there. Um, Jonathan Taylor, by the way, he had what five touchdowns on Sunday. Dude, Wisconsin, dude. University of Wisconsin is looking real good right now. Real good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I couldn't find it anywhere for the youngest player in NCAA history. It's got to be Allen. It's got to be. It's. I mean, I, yeah, I would think so too. Um, the only other one I could find even remotely close was a 19-year-old. So obviously Braylon Allen would beat that by like two years or a year and ten months and some days. But um, yeah, thousand, I'll see if I can find it. I'll look around more and see if I can find – the youngest thousand yard rusher in college history. I would be fairly certain it's Braylon Allen, but um, the defense, like I mentioned, they didn't have their normal pass rush. The big three, um, Chanel, uh, Sanborn and Herbig finished with 26 tackles. Um, Colin Wilder had both of the interceptions and the secondary. I just want to see the secondary close some gaps better. Uh, They did. They did good breaking up some passes. Um, they just need to close some gaps. So they just need to be, they just need to be a little faster. Is 
kind of weird to say, but um, the secondary has potential. They just, you know, it's Nebraska has good wide receivers. So that's what it is. Um, James, to your comment, uh, St. Mary's is up by one. And the Badgers have the ball. Jonathan Davis has the ball. And he just cashed a three. So the Badgers just took the lead. All good things for us that you just said. All good things. I, yes, and and like I said, I posted on the on the page yesterday that if Jonathan Davis is making threes, watch out. I just put that back on my phone here. So, oh, and the Badgers just got to stop, so now they have the ball. So Tyler, don't mind me for a second. I'm just watching. No, I know I'm gonna see on my phone that Jonathan Davis is gonna hit a three right here. Oh, oh Chucky finished that. Man, oh, I can't Ooh, Tyler Wall. Badgers are up four. Oh shit! I still have him down down by one. They haven't even cashed the first three pointer yet. Look at him! Oh, hey, hurry up and catch up to me! All right, well, I'll just there keep talking, is. I guess. Um, right. I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, um, Pryor made up for Pryor made up for the early drop. He did score the touchdown, so there's that. Um, loving the tight end screens. I gotta, I gotta keep saying that because it's such a beautiful play. Um. Yeah, Nebraska's tight end. That dude tore it up. He set a freaking receiving record for tight ends for Nebraska. Yeah, I know. I, saw that. Uh, I mentioned the bad pass interference. I mean, do you have any other things that you want to say besides the Badgers got off to a great start with the kickoff return touchdown? No, that was fucking crazy, by the way. I almost spilt my <laughs> – That was awesome. I just got a full cup of water, and I set it down, and I started watching the game. I just got home from work, and I stood up, and I kicked – Table and I was like, oh man, if that would have went all over the carpet, I would have heard about that for about three hours. <laughs> but hey, that was awesome. All right, so, so the Badgers now seven straight wins, and now they go to defend the axe, Paul Bunyan's axe, in their game with Minnesota. They are at Minnesota. Um, so Jake, what are you looking for in this Badgers versus Minnesota game? First of all. I'm going to be looking to rip the hearts out of Minnesota fans uh, because of last weekend with the Packers. Yeah. Um, I have some interesting stuff about this game, actually. Uh, Do you know the quarterback from Minnesota, Tanner Morgan, right? Uh, A few years ago in 2019, he looked like the real deal. Um, He had 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions. See, I think that was a fluke year for Minnesota, period, because P.J. Fleck was getting like, is he going to get an NFL job? You know, Minnesota, they back on the map. I think that was a fluke year for Minnesota. Yeah, I mean, truly it was. Um, But I did a kind of a comparison of Tanner Morgan versus Graham Mertz because I really think that's where the game's going to be won. Both these teams are kind of similar. They play defense, they run the ball, and the quarterbacks are either – Really, really good or really, really bad. Um, so going back to that year, he had 30 and 7. I added 2020 and 2021's season stats, you know, up to this point before this game combined. He has 16 touchdowns and 12 picks. It's terrible. I know he's got I know he's got nine and seven this year. Yeah, he had seven and five last year. So that's where you get to 16 and 12. Um at home, Tanner Morgan has 840 yards. He has five touchdowns and six interceptions. So six of his seven interceptions are coming at home. Not very good. Graham Mertz, three touchdowns, two picks on the road. With that being said, Wisconsin is 3-0 and on the road. Minnesota, 
three and three at home. So Minnesota's 50-50. The Badgers are undefeated. Um, going into this game, the Badgers are favored by seven. The over-under is 39. So it's going to be around there for – well, it's not going to be around there. It's going to be around the total points that the Badgers are going to score is what I meant to say. Uh, for me, at least, I think the Badgers are going to absolutely destroy these guys. They lost their their best player opening night against Ohio State, their running back. Um, he was kind of getting a little bit of secondary Heisman hype. Uh, if Minnesota could have done some things in the West, he was getting talked about like that. But Braylon Allen, dude, um, Braylon Allen, the last two games, 47 carries, 401 yards, six touchdowns. This man's going to get the ball. He's going to score. Uh, there's two guys that are going to be uh, looked at to stop him. They're both senior linebackers. Um, to say hi to Victor from Mexico, that's awesome. I always love seeing it when people comment from other – like how far away people see us from is awesome. Okay, Victor, I don't have a lot of Spanish, but hola, como estas? That's all I got. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it was like a really white dude named Victor? Oh, he's like Eastern God. European and he's just living in Mexico. Oh, He'd be like, I don't know what I mean. <laughs> um, Jack, okay, so, yeah, let me get back here. Uh, two, <laughs> two linebackers that are going to be looked at to stop the train, Braylon Allen, is uh, Jack Gibbons, uh, senior. Uh, he has 76 tackles, 44 solo. And Mariano Sori Marin. Um, I just like saying his name like that. It's probably not how you say it, but it sounds cooler that way, so he should say it that way in the future. He has 75 tackles and 40 solo. They're both bigger guys. Ah, he laughed. Man, Lee, he thought it was funny at least. I got that. (laughs) Um, This is going to be an ugly game. I'm just going to get right into the the weather report because this is a Braylon Allen game, dude. Wait till you hear this weather report, dude. This sounds like Wisconsin and Minnesota. Rather cloudy with a little snow. Sleet and freezing rain mixed in early in the day. 40 degrees, 82% chance of participation. You, you know mean what that precipitation? Like? <laughs> precipitation. That sounds you said like participation. I I anticipate 100% participation. <laughs> I agree too. Um, that sounds like Braylon Allen's going to get the ball a whole hell of a lot. Uh, he had 22 last week, 20, 25 the week before. 25 is definitely the over-under for me on the carries that he's going to get. And the Badgers are just going to run all over these guys. This game's at 3 o'clock, by the way, on Fox, if anybody's wondering. Um, I'm going to let Tyler say his little stats. And I'm going to watch as Davis just hits a little float runner in the lane and the Badgers are back up by four. All right. I'm a little bit ahead of you on that. So um, once we get to Badgers basketball, I'll I'll be ahead of you. But... Um, for me, looking at this game for the Badgers, I want to see the Badgers control the time of possession. Minnesota averages 35 minutes per game of time of possession. So I want to see the, the Badgers take control of that and let the Badgers dictate the pace of this game. Like Jake's talking about the running game, that's how the Badgers are going to dictate the pace. Um, if Graham Mertz throws the ball more than 18 times like he did last week, I'd be shocked. Um, I would see him probably in that 15 to 18 range for passes again, especially with with bad weather, probably not going to be taking many, if any downfield shots. Um, if so, it would just be in a play action situation, maybe just to, just to make uh, Minnesota just respect it. Um, 
as far as the passing game goes, it's going to be more Jake Ferguson because he's the man. Um, as for Minnesota's defense, um, I don't really see anything that says that they can stop the Badgers in any way. Uh, especially with as effective as the Badgers have been the last seven games, the offensive line being better. Um, just flipping it over to uh, Minnesota's offense. They average about 25 points a game. They don't blow anybody out with the pass rush or with the passing offense. And their rushing offense is solid. That's definitely their strength, similar to the Badgers, but the Badgers are a damn good rushing defense. So I, I think that plays into the Badgers' strength. Um, their leading wide receiver only has 29 catches. Yep. So the, the way that Nebraska was able to exploit the Badgers is not the way that Minnesota is going to be able to. They don't have receivers like Nebraska does. Um, or a quarterback. True. And their, you know, their lead receiver has 29 catches. They don't have a single other receiver over 20. Yeah. Um, and they, they do convert 45% of their third downs, though. So that's something the Badgers just need to contain the run like they do. That's their thing. And just get off the field on third down. So that being said, my score prediction is 35 to 24. Um it's going to be ugly, and I could see this being a much lower scoring game, but um, I could also see this being a game where it just ends up being a lot of rushing yards packed on top of rushing yards on top of rushing yards, and we'll see what happens. But for me, I'm going to go with 35-24 Badgers. So uh, if you don't know, if the Badgers win this game, they win the Big Ten West, and they'll go on and they'll play either Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game. Um if the Badgers lose and Iowa wins, Iowa would win the Big Ten West and play either Ohio State or Michigan. Um, with that being said, I have the Badgers winning 38-13. to 13. Um, I think we're going to pound them. Uh, so I wanted to ask Tyler a question. Um, who would you rather play, Ohio State or Michigan, in the Big Ten championship game? So Jake posed this question to me, and I could see the appeal for wanting to do one or the other. For me personally, I would rather play Ohio State. I'd like to go and see how they can do against a guy who's going to be an NFL quarterback and CJ Stroud, just to see what they can do against him. Um, I would just, I would rather see the Badgers beat Ohio State, somebody that they don't play as often. Um, they lost to Michigan this year after just smacking them around last year. So I'd like to see the Badgers beat Ohio State, just because it doesn't, just the game itself doesn't happen as often, and. Um, I'd like to to get a little a little uh, beat down over Ohio State, who always steals the national spotlight as far as the Big Ten is concerned. So, I do agree with you. I would rather play Ohio State. I would love the revenge aspect of playing Michigan, especially if Michigan beats Ohio State. Imagine the just absolute turmoil that would happen if Wisconsin would beat Michigan after they beat Ohio State. That would absolutely create chaos, right? But then if we – if say we go against an Ohio State and they beat an Ohio State team, there's no way in hell that they can deny us a New Year's Six Bowl. There's no way in hell. The Badgers will be playing a New Year's Six Bowl, a primetime bowl, and that can only do good things for us. Um, you mentioned how Stroud's going to be an NFL quarterback. 
Uh, they got a couple wide receivers that are going to be in the NFL as well. Yeah, they do. They got a lot of NFL talent on that team. That was a massive shot. I know you're ahead of me, but holy yeah, shit. Tyler Wall, he just had like a little dream shake on that. Bro. So, that being said, I think I'd rather play Ohio State too. Let's switch to Badgers basketball since uh, it's a hot topic right now. We're at the end of the game here. Um, I'm going to switch over to my Badgers notes real quick. All right. So, let's let's just kind of run through these games while we have time. And um, I will keep live updating the end of this game. Damn, that was a nice – he hit that right shoulder, came back to the left, little dream shake. That was nice. Um, Badgers opened up the season against St. Francis. They won 81-58. to 58. Like I said, the Badgers, when we did the primer, I expect the Badgers to get off to a kind of a hot start, like a 6-1, and 7-1 type start. Um, they did get a nice signature win yesterday against Houston, but looking at St. Francis, they had an 11-point lead um, with 9-17 left in the first half. Um, and then led by double digits for the rest of the game. Um, Johnny Davis, 15 points, five assists. Uh, Chucky Hepburn, um, 13 points. He's the first true freshman to start a point guard since Devin Harris in 2001. That is crazy. We used to love Devin Harris when we were little kids, dude. He was I one of the, like the first, like he's like one of the first Badgers that I remember going to the NBA when yep. I started paying attention. Yeah, um, Bauman had nine points. Badgers were 10 of 22 on threes. That's something that could really be um, a big deal for their season um, as if they can make those threes. So um, you don't want to say anything about that St. Francis game besides uh, Johnny Davis's nasty dunk that he had? No. I'm only going to comment like on The Badgers are about to wrap this one up. Yeah. Um, nothing really. I expect – I mean, games against like people like St. Francis – I expect the Badgers to win those games. Yep. Same with, you know, UWGB. Yeah. They smacked around UWGB. It is what it is. Oh, by the way, this is kind of on topic, I guess. Uh, Vin Baker, coach for the, the Bucks. Did you know that his son plays for Milwaukee as well? Sweet. Yeah, Vin Baker Jr. He's uh, on the Milwaukee Panthers. So they might nice. actually because they got uh, – They, they have got, a five-star recruit there, don't they? Yeah, because his dad – um, is the coach. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a fucking play. Tyler Wall, dude. That guy. Yeah. Yeah, is, Tyler Wall just got a rebound, and now he's Johnny shooting Davis free throws. Is, dude, everything that Johnny Davis is, Tyler Wall could end up being this team's MVP. Seriously. Dude, I love Tyler Wall. He came on last year, like midway through the year, and I loved Tyler Wall. Dude, Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn. This is how I really feel. Those are two guys that are going to be very, very important to this Badgers team success. You know what you're going to get with Davis. I mean, he's he's a scorer. Same with same Davison. Davison Davison is, is what he is. He's tough as nails. And when he hits his three-pointers, he's a damn good <sighs> he, player. He irritated me a little bit in the Texas A&M game. Yeah, me too. Or no, not, not Texas A&M. Uh, it, was, it was the Providence game that yeah, he was good Davison irritated me. He had 19 against AM. He was big for us. He had 25 against Providence, too, but he was three for 11 on threes, and all three that he made were in the first half. And he, like, checked out, mm. uh, like, several times. Like, he didn't go for rebounds. There was a couple times where he was the last player back in transition, which irritates me when you're, you know, a, a grinded-out defensive team. Like, you need to be back on defense before the other team gets a fast break. So seeing Brad Davison being the last one back in transition, that irritates me. Yeah, I mentioned that last year at times where he would check out when he wasn't shooting well, 
And then towards the end of the season, he started picking that back up where even when he wasn't shooting well, he was playing tough defense. He was going for rebounds. He was diving on the floor, that stuff. That's the Brad Davison that I want to see. It's like he has his good shooting nights and he has nights where he can score, but he has nights where he's not scoring at an efficient clip and then he checks out. I want to see Brad Davison stay involved in games. I think being on this year's team with all the young players, because last year, man, uh, Bayless hit on it last night when I was listening to the game. Uh, I was at work. Um, he said that was about as old as you're going to find a college basketball team last year for the Badgers. And now this year, with how young they are, man, you could tell they're young in some situations, but they're pretty well coached. I like guard as a coach, and they still have – you know, players that have been around winning and winning, winning situations that understand how to win. So this team is scrappy, man. I like this team. If they if they can learn how to consistently shoot, they make the free throws. I'll say that for one. But if they can learn how to consistently That's shoot. Chucky Epper knocks down two of them. Dude, they make their free throws. They do. They are good free throw shooters. Freaking Johnny Davis, dude. That guy is legitimately a three-level scorer. I freaking love that dude, guy. Dude, he is. He is. That's he a really good point. Floor. He can hit the mid-range. He can hit the three. He has free throws. He has turnaround middies. Like, this guy is going to be something, man. Dude, if he's – dude, like I said, if he's – yeah, the Badgers won. Hey, I told Just you. Just take off. Yep. tattoo, baby. <laughs> dude, the, so now I have this stat here. The Buck or the Bucks, damn it. The Badgers are now 26-12 and 12 in non-conference November tournament games. They've been doing the Maui Invitational for a couple of years now, but um, obviously now they're the Maui Invitational champs. Um, now they're 26 and 12 in the non-conference games. And like I said yesterday, like like last night, they got that signature win against Houston. So that's a, you know, that's a resume builder uh, as far as seeding goes. You know, we talked about the Badgers maybe being like an 8-9-10 seed. Um, mm. you know, they're off to a hot start. So, I mean, you can't say enough good things about guys like Tyler Wall. And Johnny Davis, who's he's doing he's doing everything. Um, he just needs to get he needs to stay aggressive at times. Um, it happened last night and a couple times today where he was settling for settling for some contested jump shots, um, and that's just those just aren't high percentage shots, and they're not they're not good shots. You don't want to be taking you know if you're if you're this far away from the three point line, like you might as well just take that other half a step back. And shoot a three. Sam Decker style, back up into a three-pointer. Dude, he did that all the time in college, I swear. I mean, You might as well. I mean, if you're going to shoot a, a 17-and-a-half-footer, you might as well just make it an 18-footer and make it a three-pointer. I mean, you're not wrong. Get yourself that extra point. But yeah, I mean, you're at least shooting for something. Um, Efficiency. Right. So, looking at the GB game, um, Crowell hit a couple threes in that game, so like he's kind of given the the Badgers their you know their their big man that can shoot. Uh, we're gonna welcome our buddy Mike in who joined us when we did our Badgers primer um, to give us some uh, some more updates in here. But uh, yeah, I know he's excited that the Badgers won. Um, I'm Mike. We're just talking through the Badgers' first five games, and now today's game. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in. As far as the Green Bay game on is concerned, and stuff that you're seeing so far early this season, um, if there's anything you want to mention in specific games, or if you just want to talk about them as a whole, 
Uh, but we're just talking about the Badgers season thus far. I mean, yeah, so so far. So I, I've said this last time I was on. I'm going in with a total open mind, like when the season starts. We we hardly have seen any of these dudes play some like solid minutes all year. So uh, you know, I mean, so far, I mean, even Pat, besides like these last couple games, I like what I see. It's it's a completely different team different kind of style, even in my view, from what we've run in years past. The swing offense, we have been running it, um, but I feel like we've been getting much better quality shots overall, too. I mean, Jake, I mentioned this in our group chat um, a couple days ago. You're not seeing, like, some of the shots that we take nowadays. We're not waiting until the last few seconds on the shot clock to put some garbage jump shot up with, you know, Demetrius Trice, great player, but – you know, we're so, we were so accustomed to, you know, seeing that over and over and over again. Whereas now we're getting very good quality shots, you know, during the middle of the shot clock too, not worrying about like timing or anything like that. Like we're more of an up-tempo team. I feel like even with this swing offense, with the guys that we have, and um, it's just very, very fun, fun to watch in my view. I mean, we're going to have a lot of growing pains, I still think, this year. But um, these guys, these kids won't quit. And, I mean, you guys, you know, saw that in these last three games here. It's incredible. I thought even, like, tonight, for example, like St. Mary's, they had a lot of guys that um, had a lot of experience, brought back guys from their tournament team. I thought they were just kind of senior-led. I thought they were going to, like, hold on to it. But, um, you know, this team also has different guys that did step up tonight besides Johnny Davis, uh, you know, Tyler Wall, for example, he was one tough son. Dude, of he's one of the Dude. show favorites, Tyler Wall. He has Actually, got such a Oh, my goodness. He had a stretch last night. He scored nine straight points for the Badgers. All, he had nine points total. He all came consecutively last night. I, I tell you what, he was the reason why we stayed in that game against Houston in the second half, and he's the reason why we won tonight, I feel like. I yep. mean, yeah, it's Johnny, I mean, he dropped 30 last night, and he dropped 20 tonight. Yep. But, you know, we don't win those games without Tyler Wall. Absolutely. Um, when a guy like Brad, for example, Brad Davison, he did struggle tonight. I feel like he hit like maybe one three and maybe one other bucket. But, um, you know, they gave the ball to Wall plenty of times in the second half to step up. And he was clearly our second best scorer, in my view, these last uh, few games. And um, he's definitely come a long way too offensively, man. And even free throws, like – I don't say I cringe when I see him at the free throw line. I used to, but you know, yesterday and even tonight, like he was knocking them down, like at, at ease. And, you know, I, I'm so happy for him. I'm so proud of him. Um, he's definitely come a long way. That's, I would say he's the biggest, you know, I mean, Johnny, he's going to be all conference first team, all big 10, but Tyler walls. I've been the most impressed with besides Johnny so far, for sure. I got two things for you. Yeah. One, I just said before you came on that Johnny Davis is, you know, he's the guy that's going to score. He's the star, mm-hmm. you know, exactly what you said. But Tyler Wall can end up being the guy that could be the team MVP. Like, mm-hmm. he switches all the time on defense. He seems to get all the big rebounds. And Dude, he works he hard. He works and hard. He works really hard in the paint on both ends of the floor. Guys Dude, he's almost unguardable uh, on offense in the paint. Like he's got an array of moves that he breaks out, and he got. Dude, I mean, he's, they, I was listening to the one of the games. I think it was on Monday. Um, that he's using his left hand more effectively this year too. 
Mm-hmm. So he's yeah, he's doing a lot. He's very much improved. Um, the thing that I wanted to say about the offense because uh, I like when guests come on here and they make me think of different <laughs> things, and then I, it just kind of flows. Right, just the the yeah. juice is flowing. Do you remember when the Packers moved on from McCarthy? Yeah, you know our offense looked so stagnant with Aaron freaking Rodgers, unbelievably stagnant. It was crazy because you knew yeah. what we were going to run. It's the same thing with the Badgers. They, when they're a well-oiled machine and everything and the timing, like you said, is all correct, oh, mm-hmm. we can be unstoppable when we're making all our shots and being in the right place, right time. Yeah. Now I feel like we've upgraded this offense. We're up to date with offense. We're doing a little bit of extra stuff, something that is really, really a big change. I mean, like you said, Trice is a great player, but he couldn't consistently get to the rim and finish at correct. the rate that you would like. Johnny Davis can do that. That kind of gives Dude, us Chucky Hepburn can do that a little bit. Correct. Dude, I fucking love Chucky Edmund, dude. He just—he seems like that annoying guy that you love on your team. I You're love like, him. I, go annoy, I go piss that guy off, and he'll just do it. You know, he's yeah. kind of like a—I don't want to Patrick Beverly. Him. I didn't want to compare him to Beverly, <laughs> but he kind of is like Beverly in my opinion, where he's just like, yeah, go guard him is. and like shut him up for like forty minutes, and then we'll be good. He's that guy. He's gonna be big in the tournament, I think. Oh, most definitely. There's so many guys that like I actually do like on this team. I mean. W- and like the potential, like Chucky's going to be great for us. I have no doubt about it. I think you give him another year to develop like his scoring too. He has no problem shooting the three either. If need be like, he has no problem pulling up and another guy too. I mean, his backup tonight, Lauren Bowman, he had two, he had five, like yeah, a stretch where he had five points. Like, and we were like hurting at the time too. We needed to get a bucket from somebody and, you know, someone like that, he stepped Lauren Bowman. He stepped up tonight. I'm, I'm kind That's of hoping he team. can turn into, I'm kind of hoping Bowman can turn into like a three point specialist for this team. That's something that they're going to, they're going to struggle with at times is three point shooting. So I'm kind of hoping Bowman can kind of be that guy and, you know, recognize a need for this team is going to be consistent, reliable three point shooting. And hopefully he can be that guy. That's why I'm saying it when we talk about Johnny Davis is if he's knocking down threes consistently, like watch out. Cause that's mm-hmm. one of the things that the Badgers are going to struggle with this year is um, finding consistent, reliable three point shooting. Exactly. And I think that's going to be one of those growing pains that we are going to deal with yep. this year. I mean, when we're going to play at spots like, you know, Purdue, Michigan state with like the crowds and stuff, I, it's going to, it will happen. I mean, I still, I mean, we, we just had a heck of a stretch here, but I still don't think we're quite up there in terms of like our outside shooting. Um, Overall, I just, I mean, it, it is what it is. Especially with Davison shooting like three for 11 all the time. But I tell you what, we are at least getting good quality shots versus last year, waiting until the last few seconds of the shot clock. We are getting good shots. That's why I like, like, that's why we're winning games so far. I feel like this year we're get like tonight. We did end up getting more shots than St. Mary's, who is identical to Wisconsin, I think, in so many ways. But I think we won the show. <laughs> we won the turnover battle tonight. That that was huge, and we also got more shots up. I don't think the percentage was as good as St. Mary's, but we were able to generate better shots in the second half collectively. And I think that's you know two of the biggest points why we won, won the game. So. Um, no, I love this team. Shots can literally come from anywhere. Johnny, he's going to lead the ship, but none yep. of those guys, I think for the most part, Crowell, I would like to see his confidence go up a little bit, but he has no problem, you know, at times shooting the three, two. Um, I'd like his- to see Crowell do a little bit more work on defense. Cause we talked about it. Jake mentioned the Crowell. He gets into some foul trouble. I want to see him defending less <laughs> with his hand. He needs to do more of the forearm. He's always got the hand out 
and he gets he gets into trouble with like the hand checking thing. It's not. Yeah, he needs to do a little bit more of the forearm and not so much with the hand. Yeah, and that's kind of, I think it's just a lack of foot speed, personally. In size, too, I feel like I think, and I think we're gonna run into trouble a lot this year with like the size that we have in the team. I mean, right now you see if Crowell gets in foul trouble, who comes in? Chris Vote. Well, vote, yeah. Chris Vote can't stay in more, stay in the game for more than three, four minutes because he picks up two quick fouls. So, and he just gets. Uh, we have to be way more disciplined. That we have a we have a lot of correcting to do in in that area. I feel like in order if we're gonna you know do something in the Big Ten this year because if the if the Badgers games. can get into a position whether it be in the Big Ten or in the you know in the March Madness tournament where they play a team that doesn't have a dominant big man and they can run Tyler Wall at the center. Mm-hmm this Badgers team could make some noise. And that's going to be something we're going to have to look at with matchups when they come. But if they can, you know, if they can have, you know, Chucky and Bauman and then Davis, Davison and Tyler wall on the floor at the same time and kind of run some small ball with Tyler wall, the center at six, nine, that could be, that lineup could do some damage against some, some other teams. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited about. I mean, I definitely did not see us winning the freaking Maui invitational and, you know, just looking back, even at going back to that Providence game, I mean, we have Johnny Davis. We win that game, you know. Yeah. In my, in my view, I mean, everyone, people can say what they want about that. but I mean, they, um, they won the second half, too. They were down yeah. 11 at halftime and only lost that game by five. Yeah, and I was so disappointed when Johnny was out that, uh, that night. I'm like, like the air was out of, out of the room at the time. I'm like, well, we're going to save him for the Maui Invitational. I'm like, okay. Yeah, Crowell struggled big time you. in that game, too. And then he was right. I mean, Johnny very – Averages twenty five in the Maui, at Maui Invitational per game, so uh, no, I am ecstatic. I mean, this is probably the best case scenario that I could have hoped for at the start of the year, yeah. and um, you know, I I love this team. I we just got to come come ready to play uh, upcoming here. We got Marquette, I think, next next weekend. I I don't know if we have a game before that, but um, that's going to be a big one at home against them at the Colts. They are off until December first, so they're off till next Wednesday. Okay, I, I don't know off the top of my head who they have in the first, but Marquette's next Saturday, and that's obviously a big one that we need to get get back <laughs> from last year. Okay. Yeah, so, I mentioned it before. Oh, okay, go ahead, Jake. I want to switch uh, to football just for a second because Mikey's, Mikey's the most Wisconsin guy that I know, most Badgers guy that I know. He's, he's more Badgers than he is professional sports. So I asked Tyler this question because I'm assuming you have the Badgers winning at Minnesota Saturday, correct? Correct. I want to know who would you rather play in the Big Ten championship game, Ohio State or Michigan? Sure, sure. So I, I f- first off, I let y'all y'all handle the professional stuff. I definitely know like a fair amount, but I'm like, ah, yeah, my guy Jake's got it, so I'll, I'll let him take it from there. <laughs> so yeah, no no problems there. Uh, as far as who I would want to play, you know, we've ran into the same old juggernaut Ohio State at the end of the road, and just looking like we saw it last weekend against Nebraska. Teams that spread us out, we do not do good defensively. Ohio State's got three, in my view, damn near three first-round picks at receiver that can literally do anything. So, and we also had, and just going along with the fact that we had a hard time even generating pressure last week with Nebraska's offense, if we can't get, if we couldn't get any pressure on C.J. Stroud, it's going to be a long night. Michigan doesn't necessarily spread the ball around as much. I would love a rematch with Michigan personally because offensively we're getting better. Braylon Allen was not a factor last game. Um, 
I would love a rematch against Michigan, and it's not even close for me. I Ohio State has just been like had our number for the longest time, and uh, I think I think we can beat Michigan on our, our definitely on our best day. There's no doubt about it. Um, Michigan's a tough son, of, a freaking tough team though. So, um, so I would love Michigan again. So Tyler said Ohio State. I also said Ohio State. But the one thing that I posed was I was like, imagine the madness of Michigan beating Ohio State. The country's going crazy, right? Michigan's going to be in. Ohio State's out. And then they run into Wisconsin, and we get them back in the revenge game. Imagine the chaotic mess that would just happen after that. If if that happens, Cincinnati's getting into the college football playoff. Cincinnati's going to get in regardless, dude. They're undefeated, dude. Come on. I agree. I agree. I think they should. I think Cincinnati. And they beat Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's only got one loss. They they manhandled Notre Dame at their place. Yeah, they did. They punched them in the mouth all day. No, I'm definitely for Cincinnati getting in. I mean, they even like last year, they had a great year, and they were – did they beat Georgia last year? Or if they didn't, it was a close game. So, I mean, they've consistently been good. I think back Georgia, back that might have been their only loss last year. Yeah, that sounds right. But, I mean, their program's been solid the last couple of years. I would love to give them a shot because it will be against Georgia probably. So, I right. wouldn't see a rematch of that. So, uh, no, I would say Michigan, um, Ohio State. I, I just – I look at that Nebraska game last week and I picture my, I'm just, I think it could be the same song, different verse when we play a team like Ohio state, who's got more weapons than Nebraska has and just spreads us out. And um, you know, Jake, I've said this so many times, like if there's one thing that's wrong with our Badgers defense, it's our secondary. We just, there's miscommunication. And I just don't think the athleticism is quite there versus it's the top the safety, teams. bro. It's For me, safety. I think if we're talking Michigan and Ohio State, I feel like Michigan would probably give the batteries the better chance to win. But I feel like beating Ohio State would be more satisfying. Oh, it would. I no, there, there's no, <laughs> there's no argument there. I'm saying, I uh, if we if we if I had to pick a team that I think we have our best shot against, it would be Michigan. But um, I would love to beat Ohio State, though. No, no questions asked. And, we're going to be in the game. That's all I know. There, there should be no way in hell that we lose to Minnesota. Tanner Morgan is terrible, and their rushing attack is decent, but the Badgers' rush defense, like Tyler pointed out, is phenomenal. So, Correct. As long yeah. as Mertz isn't throwing four picks and Braylon Allen's toting the rock, we'll be okay. Yeah, I was even looking at like the stats even like earlier when I was – working or whatever on my lunch break. And I was looking to see like Minnesota. Cause I didn't want, I haven't watched too much of them this year. I, I know Tanner Morgan, obviously, but even they're down to their what third and fourth string running backs. But even with that, that's how they've been like generating a lot of their offenses through their own yep. game. So, which is hard to believe because Tanner Morgan, you know, in years past has been known to sling the ball pretty well. So, I mean, if, yeah, if they're going to keep running the ball on us, go for it. It's not going to, it's not going to work. Just no. in my view. <laughs> Eventually, you're just going to get sick and tired of running into a wall, right? You're going to get a Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn sandwich if you keep doing that. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know about you, I, don't, I wouldn't like to get hit by uh, Leo Chanel too many oh, times. Oh, no. Good oh, no. Christ. He does like, the curls for the girls. I'll tell you that right now, baby. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Oh. 100%. Can only imagine how he was in Little uh, Grantsburg, uh, Wisconsin, at Grantsburg High School with the, all 200 kids there. Um, I would say he was probably like the reverse Derrick Henry, where he had like 17 tackles a game and like eight sacks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like four forced fumbles in one game. All 12 girls that were in his class. 
They all love exactly. him. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. <laughs> they had to like quadruple team him. Oh yep. god, now we're getting dirty here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Badgers basketball man, off to a great start. Badgers football is on fire. Uh, we need the Bucks and the Packers to get healthy, and that's pretty much all you need to know about Wisconsin sports right now. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. man. I think uh, if the the Bucks will get healthy, I still I trust them. They'll, they'll get it together. I mean, yeah. I don't we talked about it. They're six and zero with the big three healthy. So yeah, I don't think we're necessarily playing for the one one seed or anything like that. Right? I, yeah, they don't care. Is what it is. Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Um, you know, Packers. Man, we got to get healthy there too. I mean. What Bakhtiari, I think, what was it? He was out. He's now out probably for the next two weeks with the bye week. So that's that the week after the bye week is what I'm looking for for Jair, Bakhtiari, and um, Aaron Jones. There's news about Jair coming back in December, dude. Oh man, I hope we, we're running out of time to, you know, we're kind of like, you can tell we're just kind of like scraping off. Yeah. Like, water. The barrel, that's that's the thing. Games. That's the thing about the depth is at a certain point, it doesn't become depth for one. And two, when you get, bring guys back, you want them to a couple of games, get their feet wet. We don't want to be bringing them back. And right away, it's just playoffs. Like, yep. oh, okay. Yeah. We're playing for the Super Bowl now. So go out there and compete. I know you haven't played in like six months, but it's like, I want him to have two, three games in there so he can get kind of the mistakes out of the way. Same thing with Zadarius if he ends up finding a way back too, you know. That's what I was – yeah, Tim just commented asking about Zadarius. And I think to kind of make a comment, it's going to be – it's like Brooke Lopez, honestly. It's a really similar situation where it's like, well, they're getting back to practice and they'll be back soon. Like we're keeping an eye on it. You know, he's starting to work back. It's – it's a really, really fluid situation with those two. And, you know, as long as they're doing okay without them, they're not going to rush them back. Yeah. My biggest concern, I, I don't know. I kind of thought about this at the beginning of the year with Zedarius. Like, isn't this is his contract year, correct? I believe. Yeah. Or, or, yep. I mean, I personally, I personally think he could have handled it better, but I understand like his, how he did it. Cause I think his number one goal is to try and be, healthy like by the end of the year before he goes into his contract so i i think i i hate saying this but i think he's kind of holding out a, a, a little bit be, just so he can be ready to go like to get that new contract i guess i don't i'm a little i'm a little i, I don't want to accuse but i don't Listen, know man I, you I might not be wrong i've never I've thought never about that before more. you might not be wrong yeah. That could be awesome. yeah, I mean, if, if even if that's the case, I'd like to see him get back just for the end of the year, even if he's just trying to get himself into a contract situation to come back at the end of the year and perform for the last two games of the regular season in the playoffs. And I know he he did not like the fact that he was not named uh, one of the captains for this year. You remember that in the beginning of the year? He kind of yeah. he brought that up. So I don't know if he's going to if he was part of my language, but heard about that. But um, I think. I don't know. I hope that's not the case with us because, you know, obviously the potential on this with this team, this is our best chance to win a championship. So, I mean, why wouldn't you go all in no matter what? But, um, you know, you know, other players got their own, you know, agendas and views and um, we're just fans sitting on the sideline just observing. So um, whatever goes behind the scenes, you know, obviously we don't we're not we don't know too much about the situation, but we'll go from there. Yeah, maybe one day when Tyler and I are standing on the Packers sideline, we can 
give you a little bit more insider, but it's a couple years down the road here. So, well, hire we'll, me if you do. Okay. Oh, hey, <laughs> we're we're bringing the whole squad. Uh, okay. Tyler, I don't know if you want to touch on that situation. That's up to you. Um, I would have to, I would want to read the article before I made a comment about it. Um, as far as the whole Waukesha situation goes, it's it's a really unfortunate situation as far as sports are concerned with that. Um, I did see JJ Watt was offering to pay for the funerals for those that were um, that were killed in that incident. Um, Ian, I will definitely check that article out after the show and maybe we can talk about it next week um, to kind of give some more perspective and a little bit more informed perspective on it. So uh, I guess I got something to say about it. Um, it's gonna be completely blunt because that's how I roll. That guy's a jackass. Okay, pretty blunt. The guy's a jackass for what he did. Um, 80-year-old woman died. Uh, there's an 8-year-old kid that died. Uh, that puts a lot of shit into perspective for me because I have a 8-year-old stepson upstairs. He's going to turn 9 tomorrow. I don't know what I would do if I found out that my we I was with my family and some guy was just being an idiot um, and he ran over and killed my stepson. I think I would go absolutely insane, to be completely honest with you. Um, so I'm just going to say this, don't be an idiot, uh, understand your surroundings. I know he just got out of jail on a thousand dollars security bond. Um, and he was getting into, getting into it with his girlfriend. So, uh, as far as that affecting sports in my life, there is a reason I stick to just sports. Um, I don't really get into politics and stuff like that it can be a dirty game. Uh, I just watch my sports. I watch Giannis dunk the ball. I watch I watch Davis shoot mid-rangers, and I watch Aaron Rodgers throw bombs. That's what I like to do because my life is a lot easier that way. I go to work, I hang out with my family, and I talk to my boys. That's how I want to live my life, and stuff like this is happening on a daily basis, and it's absolutely terrible. It's been a really, really rough couple of weeks for the state of Wisconsin, personally. Um, but it is what it is, man. That's all I can really say about it, but Let's uh, let's be kind. Let's be positive. Let's just be nicer to each other overall. Do I like talking shit? Yes, 100%. I especially love talking shit to Chicago fans, but I keep it sports. I never get personal with people, man. Um, I don't know what you're going through in your life. Uh, I'm also very big on uh, mental health. So there was something happening with the Minnesota Vikings today with Everson Griffin. And, you know, instead of me, you know, referring back, referring back to, you know, talking shit, I just felt terrible for the guy. You know, he he's trapped in his own scary world and he, he can't get out of it without professional help. So he needs to go get professional help. So for me, I take mental health very seriously. I take stuff like this very seriously when people are dying. So that being said, let's just be nice to each other um, and let's just enjoy enjoy the bad Sports. Yeah. Jake, to, to piggyback on what you're saying, that's the, all of what Jake is saying is the exact same reason that we don't cheer for injuries. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do it. I don't care if it's Justin Fields. I don't care if he's got six touchdowns against the Packers. Like, don't cheer for guys to get hurt. It's not – it's never It's never okay, really, honestly. It's, no. it's never okay to cheer for people to get hurt. Because, I mean, no. No. Look, at, look at Adrian Amos, for example. He came from the Bears to the Packers. That's not to say that something like that can't ever happen, you know? So it's, these guys are just on the teams that they're on. So they're playing for their teams. They're playing for their futures, for their families. Like these are still people, even though they're wearing the rival uniform. 
Like if for me, I'd rather beat the Bears thirty-five to zero than you know to to see Justin Fields get hurt or to see Kirk Cousins get hurt. Like it would be funny to see him get sacked and have a bunch of grass stuck in his helmet, but I wouldn't want him to like break his collarbone or something like when Vikings fans cheered for that when Anthony Barr did it to Aaron Rodgers. Dude, they still post that photo. It's ridiculous. That is the highlight of your fandom. Is you breaking my quarterback's bones? Oh my god. Why do you cheer for that? Like they still that's still somebody's son, brother, husband. Like you ever watch these guys like post on Instagram and stuff? Like they're hanging out with their little kids, mini me kids, you know. Like Adrian Amos just posted a sweet ass photo of uh him and his son just hanging out. They're wearing Jordans and they're matching and like He's just being a guy. Dude, I love the video of Drew Holiday where he's at his post-game show and he, like, unzips his sweatshirt and his kid, like, pops out. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you not get excited for that stuff? You know what I mean? I'm going to put I'm gonna put Michael's comment on here while I respond to Rushman, who's commenting on YouTube. We found a Wisconsin talk show. Hey, that's us. We're Wisconsin Sports. We talk about that. Um, <laughs> Michael's comment is, is really – is really hits the nail on the head. He said, sports is a time to get away from the unfortunate world we have to deal with. This is why we stick together through times like this. And that's why, like, that's this is what I'm going to say about this, is it's important to have your kids in sports when they're young because you get that camaraderie that you have. And that's why when, you know, when we're watching, like, I know that it happened a bunch of times in the Badgers game last night with Houston. It happened with Brad Davison. Um, he got hit in the face yesterday, and he was – gushing blood out of his nose after he got taken care of and he had the cotton up his nose him and the Houston player high-fived or when when guys fall on the floor it happened yesterday where it was Davison and it might have been Chucky Hepburn got a foul on a Houston player he fell and both of them went to help up the Houston player like that's sportsmanship and I love that I love sportsmanship even I would say almost more than I enjoy my team's winning is I love good sportsmanship because it's it's really a, a bond that people share that love sports. That's why we're all here. So, I mean, as far as, as sports are concerned, that's that's what we're here for. And, you know, it's it's an escape. It's, you know, a way to to have friends, to have find other people that like what you like. And that's what we're here for. And it's also why all of you who are commenting are going to invite all your friends and make me and Tyler Berry rich one day. So, please <laughs> <and> thank you. <laughs> All right. You guys got anything else you want to say? Nah, man. Uh, Bucks and six. They're going to be wearing the dope jerseys tonight. That yeah. I have a really hard time not buying at the mall today. So, they're going to make me spend some money again. <laughs> All right. And if you're in Wisconsin, go check out Parker John's. Get some wings, some barbecue, some pizza. Uh, all your game day foods. Go get some Parker John's. I will see you guys next week. Mike will probably have you on a couple times during the Badgers season to keep giving some updates and some perspective. And uh, thanks for joining us after the Badgers win today. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. Looking forward to more appearances in the future. Yes, sir. All right. See you guys next week. Later. Hey, they are. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. 
online at herzing.edu or text health to 85109. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.